Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. This is your host, Martha Tyler. And this week, I'm very excited. I have two wonderful guests and we're going to be talking about storytelling and children's literature and libraries. It's just a story time wonderfulness. I can't wait. Um, So... I am going to introduce Nanny Miss Monique first. Um, Monique Dupree, it's so glad. I'm so glad to have you back. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> yes. And introducing John Light Jr. Hello, Mr. John. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? I'm doing very well. I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, Nanny Monique put us in touch and I, I just, I've been like looking you up and uh, I got to listen to some of your books be read by Monique the other day and I just am, am jazzed to have you here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, Monique did a wonderful job reading my book the other day. I was, I was so appreciative. Yes. And um, actually, while we're on the subject, before we get into your backgrounds, Monique, can you give us a little bit of information about how listeners um, can come to your story time? Yes. So I have a story time every Wednesday on my page, on my Instagram page, Nanny Miss Monique, um, at 10 a.m. Central Time. And I also do a story time on Celebrate Nanny Life at 10 a.m. Central Time every single week. And the story time lasts anywhere from about 15 to 30 minutes. Yes, and it's so fun. It's interactive and and great. Uh, my nanny kid really, really enjoyed it the other day. Oh, that was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, wonderful. Um, let's hear a little bit about your background, Monique, first. So I have been a nanny for over 22 years, and um, I got into this literacy route from my first nanny family. Uh, They were both uh, New York Times bestsellers, and they also were editors in magazines, and they were writers for magazines as well. Um, So every morning, when I would get the kids ready for school, they would sit in the library before the carpool came to pick the kids up. 
and they were always reading in the library. And I would just sit in there and say, oh my gosh, the kids were so excited to just sit down and listen to a story told by their parents. Like they couldn't wait to finish their homework so, so they could listen to their parents tell a story. And I said, I want my children or my next nanny kids to always want to read a book. I love that they always were hungry for books and that I, I've just been enthusiastic about literacy ever since. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing. And Mr. John, tell us about your background. Uh, well, I am uh, a librarian. I've worked in the library, uh, in libraries for 10 plus years. Uh, currently, I'm in the youth services department uh, in, a, in um, Prince William County. Um, also a storyteller, which um, kind of about because I was in youth services as a librarian, I had to do stories. So I decided to be a storyteller as well. Um, and then, uh, what was it, last year? Yep, last year I became a publisher. And um, I've always been a, a person uh, that is very interested in family history and genealogy and so um those things um that speak to me that resonate with me uh those four things those are what mr john does and and would do uh even if i didn't pay up oh i love that so much um and yeah i i feel uh similarly connected to like storytelling and um i'm currently going into family counseling. So family uh, uh. in a different direction is, is very important to me too. Um, and I think it's, it's a big part of all of our stories. So I feel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My wife, my wife is um, also on the school for family and marriage counseling. I believe she just started. She just started. So um, there's a long road ahead for her. Um, and, and me as well, cause I'm having to teach research <laughs> one of have to teach how to research. So, but it's, 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 it's all good though. I mean, I'll be glad and she'll be glad when she's finished. Yes. Yes. I'm, uh, in August I head into my internship and I can, oh, see, the, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's, it still feels far. So. Um, but congrats. Yeah. Congrats to your wife too. That's a big first step and, and wonderful. And we are going to need a lot of marriage and family counselors out there. Um, yeah. So Mr. John, you're a storyteller and an author and a librarian and interested in genealogy. So story does seem really, really important to you. Um, can you tell us about how like story and the telling of stories has impacted your life? Wow. Um, the big question, I know. I like to, I like to start off with it's, big um, questions. No, that's, that's fine. I, I don't, it's, I've always, loved I've always loved movies okay so when when um when I was growing up um we didn't have a whole lot but my mom always like once cable television came on the scene she always made sure she had cable television and so that means she had HBO and so I would watch TV 
a whole lot. And I would watch HBO. I mean, and, and back then HBO would play like, you know, they would have their grand movie for the for the month and they would play the movie um, in the morning, in the afternoon. And you could just catch these movies like multiple times a month. And um, and I just loved it. I loved I love all those different stories. Um, just thinking of one, just thinking like a karate and seeing that's back on TV with the Cobra Kai series or whatever. Right. Um, but like and, and watching those movies and then watching them over and over again. And um, they always had really good storyline. Um, they always were were teaching you something or you were learning some type of, of value, um, some type of moral um, thing that was going on. And I don't know. I just I just loved it. I just I just I one I just love watching TV. And so anytime I could see movies, movies, especially um, cartoons, it was just something that I something that just I just gravitated towards. Um, as far as like reading stories, um, when I, I like to tell um, parents when they come into the library and they'll say, you know, my educational and, and, and like some math or some, <laughs> some social studies. And I'm like, okay, but what do they want to read? <laughs> right. you know, what, what, what they want, you want them to read. Okay? That's what we need to get. You want them to read. So we got to find something that they want to read. And I would always tell them um, that, you know, I didn't read these books when I was growing up. I read Sports Illustrated. Mm -hmm. And um, and I would, you know, want, that was what I learned how to read on is Sports Illustrated and reading the stories around these games that we're playing. So it was always just kind of like, you know, storytelling going on um, in the things that I that I like to um watch and the things that I like to read so so yeah that's uh, that's probably where my my love of story came from yeah I I love that so much and and I agree I think that a lot of parents end up you know thinking that their kid needs to to read academically and, and I <laughs> I just think there's so much value in in just finding something that they love <laughs> That's the bias. Yeah, I agree. It's a it's a trip because I, I just know that wasn't what they were reading when they were growing up. Right. <laughs> but, for, but for some reason, they get to the library and they're like, no, they need to read War and Peace and or they need to read the dictionary. <laughs> Where are your dictionaries? I'm like, okay, well, we can get a dictionary, but let's also get a graphic novel or a manga. You know, let's get something that they like to read. And so there's always something that every librarian has to um, coach and guardian, guardian around is, you know, trying to find a balance. Okay, let them find something you read, but they also need to have something that they want to read. Yes, yes. And and um, Monique, what what is your journey with stories and storytelling? I know you told us about your nanny families, but but more personal to you what's been your journey well as a child I had a, a learning disability when I was younger and I feel like what Mr. John just said about how his the parents come in and they always want the children to read these really intense these biographies um 
I think my parents kind of lost me there or, you know, my babysitter's time. And I really didn't find a love for reading until I was older, until I was in high school. Um, and I just want children to love children to lose themselves in stories. Mm. I want children to love to read. And I just want to encourage their love for reading. So why I think it's so important to tell these fun, engaging stories. So children just, they, they, they get excited about books. I want everyone to be excited about books. And now I'm excited about books as well. Um, not for, not just children's books, but I, you know, I read, you know, I try to read lots of books for myself throughout the year and I, I really enjoy it. So Oh, yes. I completely agree with that too. And yeah, I, I think that um, just, yeah, finding stories that you get lost in is one of the best feelings in the world. And why wouldn't you want that for your child too? The academics will happen. That will happen. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, so what can children gain in stories that might not be available to them in the, you know, quote unquote, real world. Is that to me? That's to anybody. Okay. But yeah, <laughs> okay. let's start with you. Yeah, let's start with me. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, story, I, I think what it does is it, it, it gives you, um, it helps build your imagination. And how that could be something of substance later on in life uh, outside of just like maybe becoming an author. But when you, when you have an imagination, you're able to work problems. It, it, it helps you with your critical thinking skills. It helps you to be able to think out the box or to look at something, look at a problem and look at it in different ways. Um, because you have that imagination, um, it, you, you feel like, you know, when you're looking at something, it's not just what you see. Um, so yeah, I, that's what I think story does for you. Also, I feel like you know, story te teach you uh, again, teach you values, um, teach you um, morals that maybe you don't, you don't, you're not gonna. If someone tells you, "Hey, you need to be patient," um, you're like, "Okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> what does that mean? I don't want to be patient." But if you tell somebody a story, and you show how someone is being patient, that resonates with people better than if you just tell them what they need to do. Yes, completely agree. And I, I wanna hear from you too, Monique, but I, I, I did wanna add that I think um, one of the main values that I've seen reading and I've experienced reading give to me uh, has been empathy. Um, it like really fosters a sense of empathy because I, I've been able to now be like, I wonder what this person's story is uh -huh. instead of judging, working from that place of curiosity about like, you know, they, they were pretty mean today. I wonder what, what's going on that, um, maybe led to that. And, you know, certainly boundaries are important, but empathy is also really important. <laughs> yeah. So same question to you, Monique, uh, what can children gain in stories that, that might not, you know, be immediately available to them in the, the real world? Well, I think when children have diverse and inclusive books, it offers children the chance to explore 
the experience of themselves and others in a way they may not have seen before. Mm. Um, so for example, like, um, are your stars my stars by Leslie uh, Halowski? Uh, it's a book where children are looking at colors and it might be a child looking at the color orange in India, but the same child is looking at the color orange in, in the Grand Canyon and looking at the Grand Canyon and they're experiencing colors in different places. Um, so I gives, it gives kids to ask the question, do you see the same, same things that I see in mm. the same way? Um, it helps children realize that everyone is different and we can celebrate that. And the real world doesn't always help children see things that way. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I (laughs) completely agree. Oh, I love, I love books and stories of all kinds. And yeah, they do help us see, they see, help us see the world. And I, I feel like, you know, right now there, there is such isolation that having books kind of breaks that, you know, I, I was an only Mm -hmm. child growing up. Um, and I read a lot, uh, because they, you know, sometimes it feels (laughs) like the characters and stories are, are your friends, Um, and I, I certainly had friends. I don't want to paint a picture like I didn't have friends, but, um, but yeah, I, you know, being an only child by nature is a bit isolating. And so I've, I found these worlds to visit in books and it, it really changed my life. (laughs) So, um, Mr. John, you have published, am I, am I correct? It's three books. Yes. Three books and technically four because um, one of my first book, I also published it in Spanish, but it's the same book. Yeah, but that counts. That's four. (laughs) Um, A whole other language, that counts. Um, So what gave you the ideas for your books? And and maybe give us a little bit of background about your books. Um, So the first book that I published... Um, it's called The Adventures of Joshua and Pip. And um, I wrote the book because uh, I told my sons I would. <laughs> um, my, 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 my sons would uh, ask me to tell them a story, you know, a, a, a bedtime story. Um, so they would ask me to tell them a bedtime story. And so we would go in their room and they would get in their beds, they had bunk beds, and they'd get under the covers, and I would turn the light off and close the door so it'd be dark in there, and then I would just start telling these stories, and um, and the first story is much like the story that I published. It was, I, I started off very, you know, I, I was, you know, I just kind of started making stuff up, and in the middle of it, I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to tell this story, let me make sure it's something that they can, they can learn something from it. And, um, and I finished the story. And, and so, you know, week, I, I don't know, maybe once a week, once or twice a week, I would tell them stories and they would get more um, outlandish as, as we would go along. Um, and they just, they just loved it. And so I told them, you know, they was like, oh, daddy, you should, you should uh, make this a book. And I said, well, yeah, that's, I'm going to make it a book. 
they was at school. Oh, my daddy's gonna write a book. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna write a book about me and my brother. It's called The Adventures of Joshua and Pip. And <laughs> and so I was like, okay, okay, now I gotta make sure I do this thing. So one is called um, Adventures of Joshua and Pip, Calvin the Catfish. Um, and and I kind and I use my storying um, knowledge. Um, I that I learned how to be a storyteller um, while I was working at the library. Um, the, the, the children, you know, sometimes we would have a book and the children would be interested in the book. You know, that happens. And I was, I was like, you know what? If I could tell the story without the book, then, you know, I would be like looking in their eyes. I could see them. They could see looking into their eyes and like feed off of the, of the story that I'm giving. So I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can do this. And I went on YouTube and I, I, um, I just searched up like storytellers. I just, I just mm -hmm. searched so, storytellers or storytelling. And um, this lady named uh, Jan Blame wonderful storyteller she's a manchester England. he was she was just telling these stories they were were they were fantastic you know so i, I said okay i think i got it and i practiced it a little bit at home i said i think i got it one of the stories that worked um you know during the story time the kids loved it and you know it was it was off from there and so i started my storytelling uh three just kind of telling stories at live you know at live story times at senior centers, um, at community centers. So when it was time for me to write a book, I, I already had this rhythm of what a story sounds like. Um, I, 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 you know, I had to learn more than one story. One, that's one of the things. But I had this, this rhythm or the cadence of how a story is told. And I went to go, when I wrote um, The Adventures of Joshua and Pip, I kept that same type of cadence. And so, uh, so like the Joshua and Pip books, they start with Once Upon a Time. And, and then I just kind of go through it. And, um, and so, yeah, that's, that's how the, um, the Adventures of Joshua and Pip came about. And I wrote Calvin the Catfish the same way, making sure um, always trying to teach something. Um, my first book, I, I was teaching uh, critical thinking, <laughs> um, pers perseverance, you know, because Joshua was trying to do something, but he kept failing, and but he kept trying. Uh, I, I was teaching teamwork because Pip came up, he came up out and, and he he helped Joshua, and together they accomplished the goal, um, and they had fun, and so it, and and emotions as well because you go through a lot of emotions when. Um, you're trying to do something and it's not working. Um, so I always want my story to, to teach um, kids something, but I, always, I also want it to be a story too. I want, it to, I want it to be fun. I want it to be something you can get lost in. Yeah, I love that. Um, and then and then you ended up writing kind of a, a, a stylistically very different book for your third or I guess fourth one. Um, can you tell us about writing for different illustrators? Well, so 
I, when I was doing research about publishing books, I learned that most of the time when you get when you um when you get when you go to a publishing company, um, you give them a manuscript, they accept. And then they give it to their illustrator and you don't see it till the illustrator gives it back. Mm. Um, and I looking for illustrators. I already had that. Um, but at the same time, I did have a Joshua went to look and it's our self-published and I hired the illustrator. I was able to have that input with the illustrator, which you normally don't have. Um, but at the point, Joshua and Pip to look like my sons. Once, once I saw that that's, that's what it was going to be like, I gave the rest of the project up to the illustrator. And, you know, because you, you have to let make the story their own as well. Um, if you want your illustrations to be good. That's, at least that's what I think. Um, mm. You So I, it was my story. He loved the story. I just had my sons to look a certain way. I saw that. I said, man, I told them, man, it's yours. Like, whatever you want to do, do it. It's, it's yours, and I'll just see what happens at the end. It was just a similar situation. Um, I, I found my illustrator on Instagram. Actually, I found both my illustrators on Instagram, actually. Um, and um, with the second illustrator, it was the same thing. She, she wanted some notes. Um, because with this second, this, well, not the second book, uh, but with uh, my mother's wildest dreams, um, it was more, it was, it was a different kind of book. Um, but this time, uh, I didn't need a certain way. And so I just wanted to give it to her. Um, I saw what her style looked like, and I thought it would be a beautiful book. And I just gave it to her. And do does and she made a wonderful um as far as working with illustrators i try to give them as much autonomy and ownerships ownership uh as possible um knowing that that's normally how they work um because i'm not an illustrator and and i don't know how to make things look a certain way um if anything, I'm, I'm the only thing I'm ever probably going to want to have input in is I want how do I want a character to look? Yeah, that that makes total sense. But I don't know that I would have thought about it that way um, at all. But yes, I I think that giving uh, an illustrator as much autonomy as possible to help tell the story in their medium. Um, yeah is is smart because yeah i can't draw at all <laughs> and i didn't know you know i didn't know that just because i knew it like i said i was doing research on just trying to get published and it was just something i kept seeing as i was doing research online and it was like you know when you when you give that manuscript over you don't see it until the illustrator's finished and and normally you don't have that input so um and, and that stuck with me, that with me. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't want anybody on my, you know, my shoulder trying to write it for me. That makes sense. Micromanaging never leads to a good place in my experience. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. I'm chatting with a, oh, oh no, oh, go I was ahead. Gonna say, 
I've been chatting with a, a lot of authors and illustrators and Ms. is right. A lot of the authors and illustrators, they never, they've never met. Um, <laughs> so isn't that interesting? Like, yes. They, they write their story, the publishing company gets the story and they give it to the illustrator and then that's it. And they never meet each other. So it's very interesting, the whole process. Wow. Yeah. Uh, on this podcast, I've had a um, illustrator and, and writing duo and they were very good friends. And so my kind of like first introduction to this is that because they decided, you know, together they wanted to tell this story. And so they worked very closely together. Um, but it's so funny that that's, that's not the norm. Because <laughs> it was a lot of my experience uh, up until this point. So thank you all for broadening my horizons. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, because, you know, that's why you see, I don't, well, I don't know if, if, you, if you look at a lot, if you follow a lot of authors, you'll see like the excitement when they receive their books. It's because they, you know, they haven't seen it. They don't know what the cover's going to look like. They don't know what the, you know, if, uh, if it's like it's a children's book, they don't know what the inside is going to look like. So like, that's why they are genuinely excited and to see what it's going to look like. Yes, that's awesome. Well, we've talked on the podcast before um, on, on Nanny Miss Monique's last episode um, about how there are more non-human characters. And I just laughed there and that was like out of... Uh, being uncomfortable not not that I think that this is funny I just want that clear um but we've talked about how there are more non-human characters in children's books than there are characters of color of any color um can you speak to why that is important for us one to know and then how we can work towards fixing it um and I'm gonna let uh nanny miss Monique go first on this one Okay, so I think in order for us to have progress and diversity um, as creatives, we just need to realize that there are so many more stories to tell. And children from all over the world with different racial backgrounds are are more than able to talk to our kids. Uh, There's nothing wrong with animals and characters, but as I learned from my interview with Callie Bennett, she told me something just so, it's, it's just, it's perfect. She said, children can read books with animals in them, but it's good. They explain scary situations for children. So have you ever read the book, um, Sylvester in the Magic Pebble or um, Wembley Worried where she gets lost in the forest? That's a good time to use animals in children's fiction when it's a hard story to tell, when it's scary for children, put animals in place with people. Mm. But if we don't need animals where it's just a story like Joshua and Pip, um, <laughs> 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 just put people of color in, in that story. People of color need to see themselves in books and people um, need to see people of color in books. Right. Right. Representation matters. Representation matters on both sides. Right. If you're a 
a white kid and you have books with just animals and other white children in your library, um, you know, what kind of, you're not seeing the world. You might have a bias attitude and I children should be able to see other children in stories that don't look like them. Mm-hmm. Yes, completely agree. Yeah, Mr. John, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear your thoughts too. Yeah, it's interesting because like um, recently it is, you know, it is now becoming, uh, it was, what is it? to now have uh, children of color on on the on the cover and in and, and, and a book um mm-hmm. i a publication that comes out that has um just like upcoming books or whatever it's called um things called the horn book mm-hmm. and it was probably in like november or december and this horn book came across and this is like after you know the let to you know after 2020 when you know there's a big push to get people of color on books and and to listen to people of color and i looked at this book and on this little magazine on the cover it was you know a child of color and so then i started flipping through the pages and every book had a child of color on it probably for the the first 25 pages every book had a child um, had a child on it and I was looking at some of the names of the books and they were just regular books. And I was just thinking like, you know what? Like, and, and then now we're thinking again about the whole illustrator situation with the author and the illustrator, how the author doesn't have much input. Illustrators could have been illustrating children of color all of this time. Right. There are so many books that come out that aren't about, you know, aren't about history. They're, they're on about anything in real life. It's just a situation happening and we're looking at the situation play out. And most of the time, the characters would be white characters. Um, and it's not like, oh, they're where they live in a certain place there is more white people than it is people of color. Like, no, it's just a regular place, a regular make-believe place with make-believe things happening or real things happening, but they were just using white characters, but they could have been, they could have been illustrating children of color all along. Um, And now they are starting to illustrate children of color more. There was this book, I forget the name of it, but the book is about, it's about what you do in a hurricane. Hmm. And I'm looking at this book like I saw I saw the horn book, and then the second day I saw this book, and I was looking at the book, and I was like, you know what? That family more than likely that would have been a white family ten years ago, five years ago. That just that would have been a white family going through a hurricane situation, uh, figuring out what you do during a hurricane or a storm, and then clean up. How do you how do you uh, pick up and clean up after a hurricane or storm? I mean, that was the that was the book. And it was like, wow, like they could have been doing this all along, but they just weren't doing it. Um, And the reason, I don't know what the reason is. Um, I'm not going to try to figure out what the reason is per se, but they weren't doing it and they could have been doing it. Um, And so, yeah, it's you, people need to see themselves. People Mm -hmm. need to see themselves. And 
and and we need to see a true representation of our nation of our of our um you know of our reality um we 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 need to see who's out there um because we see them in real life every day so why well you know you you should be able to see the same things when you're reading your books as well yes yes and i i I am excited that it is shifting away from just the default being white, you know, mm-hmm. like that now people are making the default more diverse, you know, like it's, it's not, it's not necessarily that, you know, she's like, if you picture a child that you're not necessarily anymore, just picturing a white child, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I think we still have a long way to go, but I, I'm really heartened to hear about um, that, that magazine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that you were talking about, about new books. That's, that's exciting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they, <laughs> I'm like, you know, they don't want to be on, they don't want to be on the, the, the wrong side of history. Right. But it's, but it's, it's like, I'm, I'm glad it's happening now, but at the same time, you could, you know, you always go, why did it take till 2020 before we started to do this? Um, right. So we could have been doing yeah. it for so long since we've had <laughs> children's books. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, kind of along that same vein, I, we are now in black history month and, and I know that there's this tendency kind of, kind of back to the beginning of our conversation to, to want to push during Black History Month to want to push histories and biographies and, um, and those types of stories. Um, and and I, I think that that is wonderful. We need to know, we need to learn about our history. We need to know about it. Um, but I'm curious about your ideas of, of a wider range of stories to bring diversity into your, into your kiddos' lives. Um, and we'll start with, with Monique on this one. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think it's a great, it's great that we're seeing more fictional stories being developed that honor representation and allow children to imagine worlds where they can see characters who look like them doing things that defy the norms. Um, but let's also remember that we have people of all backgrounds, colors, shapes, mm-hmm. making history and doing amazing things every day. So you begin to see ch- children's books that reflect that. Um, so some of the books that I've been reading to my daughter lately are fictional books that are loosely based on current events, mm. like now hiring the White House dog. Have you guys read that one? So it's about, yes, it's like um, Sasha and Malia, and they it's their, they wanted to pick their own dog. And do you remember when they were picking out a dog? It was like a big deal at the I time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but fictional story about that. And I think that's great. Um, so you can pick out books that are, that are like that. Um, also, there's another book called um, uh, Kamala and Maya's Big Idea. Um, 
Have you heard of that one? No, I haven't. Yeah, no. I love talking to you, Monique, because I get so many good book <laughs> ideas. Um, they aren't necessarily telling history, but they do allow children to connect with people uh, they can identify with. And so those are great stories. So they're not necessarily talking about the struggle, right? Um, but we're learning because that requires like the child to ask a question like, oh, oh who is that? Who is Sasha Malik? Is Kamala? And um, that, I, I think I love that. That's, that's a different approach to telling uh, history uh, without actually talking about the struggle. Yes, I love that too. I, I ran across a list today uh, and Mr. John, I do want, I want to hear your answer too, but I, I ran across a, a list today of um, movies to watch for Black History Month that are not about Black trauma. And I, I really thought that that was important um, because yes, it is important to learn about our history, but there, there are also so many moments of joy <laughs> And, and just mm -hmm. everyday living um, that we also should be sharing uh, as, as communities um, with each other. So I, I love that, that those kind of like twists on history are, um, are really lovely. Um, yeah, Mr. John, I'd love, I'd love to hear your thoughts too. How can you, especially as a librarian, you know, if, if a parent is feeling stuck, you know, in that green eggs and ham rut, how can they help <laughs> break out of that and, and explore some new, some new books? Well, I mean, I guess first, uh, back to that question where, um, you're not reading books, uh, uh, about that, about, that are biographical or historical. Um, when I when I wrote my books, I that was one of the things. One that was another one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book was because I wanted to find regular stories with characters that looked like my sons. Right. Um, I didn't want. I didn't, I wasn't trying to find you know the 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 um you know the history books. Um, the Rosa Parks books and and like those books are are, but that's what that wasn't what I was looking for. I mean, and most of the you know the books that are in the library is, is like fiction. It's fictional stuff. Um, it's it's fictional content, and but I couldn't find any of them, or I couldn't find many that looked like my sons. And so, um, that was one of the reasons why I published my books, why I wrote and published the books, because I wanted to help with that, um, with that issue. Um, mm. I think that it's, and in order to, and I guess in order to fix that, I think people need to feel empowered to write their stories, um, whatever, whatever the stories are. Um, you know, let people use their imagination and, and be able to to write whatever stories they want and make them look the ways um, that they want to. And then you'll start to get a more diverse selection um, of books. So encouraging people to write and um, encouraging people to, to, to uh, put their, put, you know, put their stories out on the, on the shelf. Um, one of the reasons that I wanted to self-publish 
uh, was because I didn't want to I didn't want to wait for someone to tell me that my story was good enough. Um, now, right now, I might want to be published. But when I first, you know, started to do it, I was like, I can't I can't wait for someone to say this is a good enough story and we're going to get behind it. Like, no, I, I need to get this out on the shelf now so that I can say that I've done I've done my part. Like, I'll worry about trying to get published later. But um, yeah, I, I always I just wanted it to be something that is just just fun. Um, and, and not, you know, not a biographical story, certainly not a story about slavery. Like it's so many books about, you know, you said about trauma. I was there trying to think, you said, uh, movies, movies without trauma. And I was sitting there thinking about all of my favorite movies and being like, okay, I can't pick that one. (laughs) one. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, but at the same time, um, a lot of stories involve trauma. So and, For sure. and I like and 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 the type of books that I like reading on my own are biographical books. But this is like for me, not, right. not for kids. Um, but for me, I like to read biographical books. Um, I like to read or I like to watch movies that about other people's experiences. Um and 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 I mean like you know, different areas, you know people in the south people in on on the west coast people uh you know in in the north wherever and so normally when you're watching any type of movie or reading anything about other people there's going to be some trauma in there so because you know trauma is part of life but i get i get what you were saying about that that movie list because i'm like man there's a whole lot of trauma in all of the movies that i like Uh, but yeah i think but people have to feel empowered to tell their own story have to feel empowered and know that there's a way to do it. Um, so, may, so they, maybe they even need to be shown how to do it. And um, and so I am appreciative of the self-publishing options that are out there that are 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 making it easier and removing the barriers um, for publishing your story. Um, you know, Amazon makes it very easy for you to put a book out. All you got to do is write it and then upload it and your book is out. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not get sold or whatever, as many as you want, but you can get your story out um, you know, in an instant. All you gotta do is write it. So uh, I do appreciate that about the self-publishing options out there. Um, and people just need to know they need to, they, if they get their, get their stories out and let people know about it and, um, and they'll see how many people have been waiting to hear the story that they had to share. Right. Yeah. And I also, when you're talking about self-publishing, I also think about, I wonder if that's part of this shift that we're seeing is that it, it wasn't always so easy. Um, and not to say that it is currently easy to self-publish. I'm in no way trying to diminish. There are still barriers and difficulties, but, um, but I, I, I think that there used to be a lot more gatekeepers. Um, mm-hmm to yeah, and publication yeah and this is, i mean it's the same way with uh with music now mm-hmm. um you know you used to had to wait on someone to believe in you in order to get your music out but now those barriers have been removed all you need now was the equipment to wait to, to make the music and then you can upload it to spotify to all of these different places 
and your music is out into the universe. So, um, and, and I mean, and it, it I mean, it's, if you want to invest in yourself, it's pretty easy to self-publish. It, I mean, the main barrier for self-publishing is is your desire to finish your work and pay the money that it takes to get it self-published. And like, I, and really, I think with Amazon, it's like free. To be, I'm not like I'm necessarily trying to be an Amazon <laughs> commercial, right? right. But the um, <laughs> but just the the barriers have been removed significantly. Um, is really on on us as individuals to believe that someone wants to hear your story and just go about putting it out there. I love that. Um, yeah, if if nannies and or kids are listening, who you know, kids love writing stories and and they're so good at it. Um, do you have any advice for? for kids who love to write stories and, and maybe want to work towards being an author someday? Write, 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 and finish. Finish what you're writing. Yes. <laughs> so write and finish. That was, that, that was the main thing that would keep, that kept me back from being an author a lot sooner is I would start writing something and I would get maybe two pages in or three pages in. And then I just be like, oh, okay, <laughs> I don't feel like writing it no more. Um, yep. And I think maybe also that had a lot to do with, as I, I think I was always trying to write like a novel or something mm-hmm. like that. And then I started figuring out, you're like, you know what? You don't, you don't really want to write a novel. Uh, you probably don't really want to write a short story. Um, but. Uh, you know, writing these these picture book stories is like, oh, that's like just right. It's like it's you know that I I have the capacity to do that. So I guess try different. Uh, also try different um, methods of writing. Um, you know, if do you like you know try to write poetry, um, try to write you know short fiction stories, um, or if you like to write longer, you know just you know just keep writing, but but finish. You gotta finish yeah. your project, whatever it is, your writing project. You need to finish it. Um, so, but there, there is a, there is a feeling that comes over you. I don't, I don't really understand it, but when you finish something, <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> you can breathe, and there's, there's that sense of accomplishment that, oh my goodness, like I wrote a story. And so now you can now you feel more capable to move on to the next step when you when you know, oh, I finished this. Um, and so so finish your story, write a story and finish it because you can you can write you can write anything. You can write anything down and then you can just go back and edit it, <laughs> go back and edit it out later, which is something you need to do, by the way. Also, yes. uh, when you write a story is you need to go back and take out. A lot of the stuff doesn't need to be in there or or add uh, things that do need to be in there, like imagery and stuff like that. Um, but finish. Uh, and, and once you start to finish, you know, I, I can have a bunch of stories laying around finished and not try to do anything with them. Um, I was writing the my third Adventures of Joshua and Pip book. Mm-hmm. And I was in the middle of it. I took a break from writing it 
And then I was thinking about my family tree and I was thinking about the mothers in my family tree. And I got my, I, I turned the page on the notebook and I just started writing about the hopes and dreams and aspirations that mothers, that I believe the mothers in my family had for their children. And I wrote this poem slash story and I looked at it again. I took some stuff up and I finished it. And then I had, I left it on the table. And when mom, I went to work the next day and my wife sent me a, a text. She said, oh, I like that poem you wrote about mothers. And I was like, huh? <laughs> what you talking about? She was like, the poem you wrote um, about mothers on the table. Like, oh, oh, I was like, you like that? And she was like, yeah, I liked it. And so after I heard that, I went, I came back home that that night. I finished writing the, the third Joshua and Pip book. And so I had both of these uh, uh, projects or whatever finished. And I was like, well, man, I, I got to publish these now. Yeah. <laughs> I got I to gotta get them published. Uh, but my wife said, you can only publish one. <laughs> <laughs> because it costs a little bit of money to publish them and you know to get them illustrated and everything and so um and that's how i decided to um to go about publishing my mother's wildest dreams but you know again if if i hadn't have finished it then it would still just be in my notebook somewhere it wouldn't be out here so um try to finish as many projects as you can yeah that's really wonderful advice um, Monique, I'm, I'm curious because um, you've interviewed so many authors. Do you have advice for listeners for kids. Or, or kids? Yeah, who are interested in it. Um, so I think kids are doing amazing things all over the world right now. And there is no doubt in my mind that if a kid wants to write a story or a book, there is nothing that can stop them. And one place that I've known throughout my career is the Young Authors Program. Do you guys have that, Mr. John, in Virginia, Young Authors? We probably do, but I haven't, I haven't heard of it, though. So Young Authors Program through Crimson Sparrow Publishing House. It's a great program, and it teaches children how to write stories, and they work with the publisher. And oh. I know Chicago Public Schools and a lot of the private schools in Illinois have young authors programs. So it's by district. So mm -hmm. all the kids in the entire school, their story they want to, it's optional. And they choose the best story in the school, each grade. And then those kids compete against all the kids in the district. So they're all winning. And then one person wins from Illinois. And I, I believe they compete um, with other states as well that are also in the Young Authors Program. Uh, and those kids get their book published. Um, and they pay, yes, isn't that, that's, a, I remember I did Young Authors when I was in the sixth grade. I didn't, I didn't win or anything. <laughs> I wrote and illustrated my own book and I and illustrated it. Yeah, I illustrated it myself. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. You yes. ahead of the game. Oh, I was so proud of it. And I actually was like a little bit of a sore loser. So when I didn't win, I was like, Mom, I'm not, I don't want to do it again next year. 
<laughs> I remember that. But, uh, I, I encourage a few of my nanny kids to write in young authors. And one of my kids won his district. Oh my gosh. Um, wow. Yes. And they had to go down to Bloomington, Illinois for the convention where he was competing for state. He didn't win for state, but he had a really cute story. He was in the second grade and he had an oh. adorable story about a little boy who met a robot. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that's one thing. And any kid can do young authors. You don't have to, you know, your school doesn't have to do the program. You can look it up and just submit your book. Wonderful. Yeah. That's a great mm-hmm. tip. Um, and and I, I also would think that having deadlines and things might help <laughs> you finish if, if that's part <laughs> of your struggle. Um, to finish things. Uh, I know deadlines help me. Um, <laughs> Look, and, and, and I was going to say that that helped me because I told myself, I'm going to have this book written by, uh, I think it was November. I said, I'm going to have this book written before, before the end of November. And so I was writing, I was writing that book <laughs> November 30th at 1110 at night. <laughs> yes. Yes. I got it finished. Yes. Um, another resource uh, for n- nannies who might be new to the podcast, uh, there is an episode about it. The Story Pirates um, will, uh, you can submit stories that children have written to the Story Pirates and they select some and turn them into basically radio plays. And so that's a really cool way. So they kind of turn them into audiobooks. <laughs> for for kids so that's a cool way to to hear your words performed um if if a kid that you know is um is into storytelling which is so cool yeah and and martha i um i I had the opportunity to meet uh this this woman who does a podcast called stoop kid stories stoop kids stories T-O-O-P, Stoop, Kids Stories. It's, it's on all of the, um you know, podcast places, you know, iTunes, I mean, Apple Podcasts or whatever. These stories are great. Um, nice. And you, and you, I mean, you li- there's like an audio book, you're listening to them, but it has, you know, she, since she's, um she's like in the performing arts, so she's able to kind of like create these real world sounds from time to time to make it seem like it's like a real, you know, almost like an old time, like radio. Uh, yeah, Foley work. Or if you if you ever heard of The Adventures in Odyssey. No. That's, that's like a radio show that people used to live. It, it still comes on, okay. but it's a kid's radio show called The Adventures of Odyssey. It reminds me of that, except this one is called Stoop Kids Stories. Oh my goodness. They they are awesome. And um, they're probably up to... Let's see. That's I would say, you know, kindergarten up to about third grade, maybe third grade. Um, just wonderful, wonderful stories. You sit there, you can listen to them. You so you know you have your nanny kids, and you want them to hear a story. You can put it on, and it'll probably go about you know twenty five, maybe thirty minutes. But they'll be they'll be into it. It's it's wonderful. Ah, oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Um, 
And I also think for um, nannies out there who have kids who, um, I think we see it sometimes where kids start to lose their, their desire to tell stories or, or they think that they're not doing it right, that perfectionism sneaks in. I think one of the best ways to combat that is to expose them to diverse stories and, and these different mediums of storytelling. I think that surrounding children with stories is never going to be a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, I agree. Yeah. Um, so Mr. John, you are a librarian and uh, as, as a nanny, I love librarians. Um, <laughs> what, what advice do you have for nannies who want to get the most out of their local libraries um, for their nanny kids and for themselves? Um, I would say go in and talk to the youth services staff, um, supervisor, librarian, whoever's in youth services, and um, and and just talk to them and tell them what you tell them what you want, tell them tell them what you think your your child or your child wants or needs, and um, and they will they will give it to you. I mean that that's what librarians um do. What librarians are here to empower the community, to give the community whatever it is they think they need in order to be successful. So, you know, whatever it may be, I would go in there and I would say, you know, um, speak the services supervisor or someone in youth services or teen service or who, you know, depending on, you know, what they have there and tell them what it is you would like to see, you know, um, can, can, can you get some authors in here so that we can do, can, so my child can meet authors? Can you, um, can you do more STEM, uh, STEM crafts and activities? Uh, can you, can you watch movies? Can we have like a movie day here at the library where my, um, you know, my children can come in or, you know, I know we're virtual now, so you might want to, you know, you say, Hey, you know, could you virtual story time? Um, you, know, you we, do what we do what you ask us to do so if you want you know if, if you want to have impact um just come just come and talk to us just come and talk to us and let us know what it is and we'll do it because we just we just want you we just want you all to be engaged and we want you to appreciate um the services that we can provide um so yeah i mean we're and, and we try to get information. And a lot of times the information we get are from people who come to the library more, you know, most often. And so we don't always get to the people who don't get to the library. And so we have to try to figure out what it is that, you know, people who aren't coming need. Um, but if you see, if, if, you're, if you're not seeing something you want, uh, come and let us know and you will get it. That's amazing advice. And I actually, Hadn't thought about that. At, at first, I thought you meant that they'll, they'll help you find the book you need. Well, um, we'll do that too. <laughs> yes, which which I figured was was part of it, but I didn't even think about like um, asking for you know author talks or, or things like that. That's a, that's a wonderful idea. Yeah, pro. If you want to see, if you want us to have a like Legos or I mean whatever it is, because we we are we we want to be 
the hub of the community. That's where all that's what all libraries want to be. We want to be the hub of the community, a place where everybody in the community can come and get what they need. And so, yeah, I mean, yes, you know, we're going to help you find a book if you want to find a book, you know, you know, different types of books, whatever that is. Um, if, if there's books that you don't see in the library that you think the library should have, um, let us know and we will order them. And I mean, 90% of the time, as long as the book is fairly new, the library will order it for you. Um, and then, and they'll probably order at least three, you know, three to six copies of the book. Um, and so now you can have that book in your community for, you know, for as long as the book is, you know, is, is in good condition. Um, so that's another thing that you can do as well. If you if you if you're not seeing this type of books that you want to see, if you want to see more foreign language books, um, come in. Let if you have a list. Hey, I want to see more books that look like this. Um, can you order this book, and we'll do it. We will. Amazing. Do it. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, and and Monique, I, I would love to hear your tips about the library too, because I, <laughs> I know that you find such wonderful books. Every time I talk to you, I get a new list that I that I go look up. I go to the library often, like it's once a week. So <laughs> yes. um, so for nannies, I would say introduce yourself and your child to the librarian. That's number one. And it should be a fun time to go there just as much as it is to go to a toy store or their favorite place to eat. The library should invoke that same feeling. I really want kids to be excited about going there. And it all starts knowing your local branch and your librarian and having him or her showing you where to find the latest and greatest in that library. So. Yes. You have to do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, wonderful. Today, I actually took my nanny kid to the library today uh, to get some new books. And she saw one of her books on the shelves, like one of the books that she owns. And mm -hmm. she, it, it blew her mind. She was like, Marsa. <laughs> Look, <laughs> she's like when Aiden becomes a brother, um, which is a great book. Uh, if you if you all have not read it, it's a it's about a little trans boy, um, mm. and it it's very very good. I I, I enjoy that book a lot. Um, and so whenever she wants to read it, I'm I'm game for it. Uh, yeah. Well, wonderful. Well, is there is there anything else that you all would like to talk about? Anything that we didn't get to yet? Well, I just want to uh, give a big shout out to my nanny friends who support me and support great author great authors like Mr. John and I and every one of uh, the people that helped me. Um, and I'm so happy we're in 2021. <laughs> and it's been an honor and a pleasure to get to know Mr. John. And it's such an inspiration um, to everyone. So I'm so glad that I've met him. And I love your new book, Mr. John. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I really loved it too. I, I got to get, get my own copy of it. Um, and, and speaking of, where can listeners find out more about you, find out how to get your books, um, all of that good stuff? So I have a website. The website is www 
dot they lived happily dot com. So you know, like they live happily ever after. Right. Um, is they live happily dot com, and uh, there you can get in contact with me. You can uh, you know, learn a little bit about me. You can um, you know, also purchase the books there. Um, all of my books are also on Amazon, bookshop.org, uh, Barnes and Noble. Uh, if you have Instagram, I'm on Instagram as Mr. John uh, underscore T-L-H-E-A. And that stands for They Live Happily Ever After. They Live Happily Ever After is the name of my, uh, is the name of my business. So um, that's what that stands for. And just, yeah, so just um, follow me. And don't and, you do um, uh, visits to school, virtual visits? Yeah do um i actually had i did a virtual visit a couple of weekends ago for uh the jack and jill organization i stated to do a an author visit in california so obviously virtual um february the 19th and so yeah um you know in any anyone that wants to um have me uh, come over, do some storytelling or do a story time. Or if you need help with genealogy, I do that as well. Um, yeah, just they can go to my website and they'll send me a message and we can get started on that as well. Wonderful. And yes, Mr. John is so kind. So get in touch. <laughs> um, I love meeting people. Um, I, and I love meeting people and getting to know people. I have a I have a um, interview series that I do on Instagram called the Who I Am Interview Series, and I've been having so much fun with it because it, I just get to know people, and I get I get to listen to people tell their story. Because again, I'm a storyteller, I'm a story collector as well. I love to hear stories. I love to hear our people. Um, how people live their lives and, and, and what type of culture um, they're in. Because, you know, I mean, we, we're so, we can, be, we can be very similar in ways, but we are also brought up in so many different circumstances and we all go through so many different things. And so it's, I love hearing people's stories. And, and um, I, do the, I do the interview series, I send out a questionnaire and the questionnaire has uh, about 20 questions on it. And, you know, some of the questions are like, um, and, and is these are questions that you're asking yourself, um, what, what do I value the most? Uh, why, why am I unique? What, what challenges have I overcome? And just hearing people um, answer those questions and hearing the stories on why they answered the way they did, it's, it's just, it's wonderful. And you just get to know so many people. Um, there's a guy on Instagram named uh, Mr. LaMotta. And uh, Storytime with Mr. LaMotta is his, is his handle. Um, he, uh, he's from uh, Zambia. But when I put, he answered the question for, what's your favorite type of music? And he was like, well, you know, you know I, I love reggae and I love this and I love that. But my favorite type of music is country music. And I was like, what? <laughs> he was like, yes. He was like, when we were growing up in Zambia, they didn't get that many stations. And so one of the stations that his parents would have it on was the country music station. 
And whenever the country music station was on, he said he had a certain type of peace that he always felt when that music was on. And so it just carried over. And so that's his favorite kind of music is country music. And I'm like, it just, it blew my mind. So it's like, you never know. You can't look at somebody and be like, oh, they're this type of way. Oh, wait. Oh, he said he's from, he's from Africa. Oh, so he must like this, this, this. No, no. You have to, you have to talk to people and get to know people and hear, and hear stories to truly get to know uh, who someone is. Amazing. Yeah. That's so funny. I have a former nanny kid who, uh, loved loves country music um so much and he moved with his family um and went to a local radio station and like talked to them and he impressed them so much with his knowledge of country music they gave him once a month he does a little like 15 minute spotlight special on the radio station now wow are you serious yeah yeah he's he's amazing and like he picked out this past I I do not remember the artist's name because I am I was born and raised in Tennessee and I went in the other direction of like (laughs) I get me away from country music because it's all I hear (laughs) um but uh he highlighted someone um who uh and like pointed out the history and was like it's important for us to see the diversity in country music too and it was just really interesting i i learned a lot from him as i always do from kids um yeah i I like teachers i like to say do love and love and so yeah he loves what he's doing right now he does. He does. Um, and uh, Nanny Miss Monique, where can listeners uh, find you and find out more about you? They can find me on Instagram at Nanny Miss Monique and Facebook at Miss Monique. Um, you can also go to uh, nannymissmonique.com. Um, I also make resumes for nannies and do promotional videos as well. Um, yeah, so if, and I also do an interview series every Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Today I interviewed uh, Susan Gall. Um, she is a wonderful illustrator. She used to work for Disney and now she's a full time children's book illustrator. She's amazing. Oh, so yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and all of those. Um, websites and Instagram handles will be down in the show notes for you. So if you're listening and you are driving or doing dishes or, you know, living your life and don't have time to (laughs) stop and write it down, they're down in the show notes linked. So just click on them and they'll take you there like magic. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, we end each episode with a cute, funny story and um, Nanny Miss Monique, I would love to hear yours. Okay. <laughs> so Mr. I told Mr. John the story the other day and I wasn't gonna he's laughing, but I'm gonna say it. It's it's kind of funny. So my daughter and I were in the car with my sister and we were listening to an audiobook and my sister asked my daughter, uh, we were listening to the book Pink Alicious. And I'm sure you guys are familiar with the book Pink Alicious where the little book. girl eats yes, where the little girl eats the cupcakes. And she turns pink. And my sister said, do you want to be pink 
just like Pinkalicious? And my daughter said, no, I don't want to be pink. I want to be black. Because <laughs> she associates the pink with the The little girl took the cupcakes in the middle of the night and she turned pink. Uh, so if you... <laughs> And she knew that if she wasn't going to take the cupcake, she's just going to remain the color that she is, which is black. So I love that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yep. She told her. I. Oh gosh, I love that. I love that so much. Thank you for sharing, um, <laughs> Mr. John. I'm just curious. Do you have a story, like a fun, cute little story? Yeah, see, Monique told me you was going to do this. I did, I yep, like, <laughs> she knew. She's been on my show before. She knew I was, I was up. I was like, oh, okay, I got to think of something. Then I didn't think anything until <laughs> just now. Um, so we, I have twin boys, and um, we, we, were, we were living with, um, we, were, we were living with uh, my in-laws when they were like one-ish, one-ish, two-ish. And so we lived in the basement, in the basement. Um, and, and, the, and the basement steps were carpeted. And so um, one day we had some, some, you know, some people came over to the house, family, friends, they were over the house and the boys were running around uh, on the, you know, the main floor. And so we told them like, you know, go, you know, go downstairs, go, go downstairs, go, you know, go to the room. And so when they went to the stairs, all you hear her was and people that were there were like, oh my God, is everything okay? And like we were standing around like, oh, they fine. They was just going down the stairs. And so and they was like, what do you mean? Like I heard all of this noise. And it was like, oh, we was like, oh, we sorry. Like, so they slide down the stairs on their bellies. That's how they go downstairs. And so that's, that's how they went downstairs all the time. They would go down on their bellies and it would just be like, and then they'd get to the bottom and run off and go do what they was doing. And so, yeah, it, it scared it scared those friends of ours, but you know, it was something that we were used to, so. <laughs> I love that. I love creative ways of uh, of getting around. That's amazing. <laughs> it was crazy, it was crazy. I was like, what are they doing? Like, I, like who even taught you how to do this? They just, they just started doing it on their own. Oh yeah, they, kids will explore <laughs> lots of different <laughs> ways. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, Mr. John, Miss Monique, thank you all both so much for taking time to talk to me tonight. Oh, thank, thank you, you for having us on, our sh on your show. Yes, thank you very much. I had a good time. Wonderful conversation. Me too. <laughs> and, uh, and thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. The Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler. Artwork by Noni Blastodon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.